some time. And I really believe that God has timed it perfectly to bring it today to you. And uh, my heart is that it would really speak to you. And I just wanna ask you and make one request of you before I kick off the message, and that is, could you come this morning with an open heart? Uh, this is the kind of message that might cause you to be, uh, need to be a little bit more vulnerable than you would normally be, because uh, I'm gonna get a little bit irritating this morning. I'm gonna get up in your personal space, and I'm gonna do it with love and gently, uh, and I'll throw a little bit of funny stories in there too to help you out. But I believe if we can grab a hold of the truths that are in this message, uh, it will take us to new heights in God, but it'll also set us free from some of the things that are holding us back. Is that okay? All right, I'm gonna share the scripture that I'm preaching from today and then we'll pray. In Deuteronomy chapter one says, these are the words Moses spoke to all Israel across the Jordan in the wilderness. And then in verse six says, the Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. Resume your journey. The New Living Translation puts it like this. It says it's time to break camp and move on. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. I thank you that it is powerful. It is alive and it is life-changing. And God, I pray that your word would speak to us this morning. God, would you speak into the places in our lives that we may have shut off to um, hearing from you on. Father God, I pray that you would help us this morning to see things that maybe we haven't seen before. God, so that we can find new purpose, new freedom, uh, and new wholeness in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, you have heard a lot about my family. Uh, you have heard about my two sons, Rocky and Judah, but you probably haven't heard much about the fifth member of our family, Chewy. This is Chewy. He is our Bichon Shih Tzu. Uh, I'm, I am outnumbered in my house by boys. You can feel sorry for me now. Uh, it, no, I just like it. It means I'm the only queen in my house. Uh, uh, this is Chewy. He has got a lot of character. Like, this dog is full of personality. Uh, he thinks he is a human. And uh, I can see this look of confusion on his face when he is not allowed to do human things. Uh, but one other thing you need to know about our dog Chewy is that he is lazy. This dog is so lazy. In fact, the last time we took him to the vet, the vet told us he's overweight. I'm like, how can this tiny guy be overweight? But he's overweight, he is unfit. The other day I tried to take him for a walk, like literally two days ago, and he would not even get out of his lying, sleeping position for me to put the lead on him. Like he was so like, I'm staying on this couch, I don't know what you're trying to do to me. But you know, whenever I take him for a walk, we have to go around the block, and I've shortened the block because he doesn't like going on the long block, so I shortened the block. But it doesn't matter if we go the long way or the short way, we have to go up a slight incline to get home. When I say slight, I really mean slight. Uh, we go on a slight incline to get home. And without fail, every time, we get about halfway up the incline, and he just stops. And I'm like trying to get him to go, and he's like, nah, not going. He's got his feet planted, and then, he sort of gets up into, onto, the, onto the grass verge. He finds a nice tree with some shade and the grass is all dewy from the morning. And uh, he just sits down and then he lies down. And, and I don't know, like he's gotten hot, he's tired. Uh, he's walked more than he normally would. And he's done, he's over it. He's stopping right here. I'm not moving on. If you want me to move, you're gonna have to carry me. Do you know, 
I don't want you to take offence to my next statement, but I kind of feel like sometimes you and I are a bit like Chewy. Like sometimes we're going on in our journey and we get to a certain point and circumstances happen and, and life happens and things might get a little bit harder than they normally are. We hit a slight incline and, and it, it's a little bit more painful. There's perhaps a little bit more, we get tired. Uh, you know, you get weary in this journey of life and we just, we wanna stop. We wanna take a break. We wanna take a seat. And, and it's real hard to get back up again. We're like, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't wanna move on. I don't wanna do, keep doing this. In fact, if you wanna move me, you're gonna have to carry me. See, this is what we do. We, we get hurt. Maybe we get offended. There's maybe a little bit of bitterness happening. And, or, or maybe someone disappoints us or life disappoints us. Things haven't worked out how we thought they would. And we take a seat. We take a seat in our camping chair. And after a while, it can actually be really hard to get up again. And there are times and seasons where we become stuck in the moments that we've sat down in. We get stuck in the pain. We, we start setting up camp in the hurt and the bitterness and the offense that's taken place. And what happens is, is that our life begins to stagnate. Our relationships begin to stagnate. Our relationship with God becomes idle. And, and what we do is we begin to respond and react out of our camping chair of hurt and pain. And, and you'll be able to identify it in a lot of people. I, I know there are many people in my world where I know they've experienced a hurt or a pain or something's happened in their life. And 10 years on, when I see them, if I, especially if I haven't seen them for a while, 10 years on, I see them, and they're still reacting and responding from the place they took a seat in. And this morning, I ha I've just got a message burning on my heart because I feel like there are seasons in our life where we take a seat. We take a seat in the seat of hurt under the mountain of offense, or we sit down in the condemnation under the mountain of guilt, or we take a seat in self-doubt under the mountain of negativity, and we find it really hard to get up and get moving again. See, what we do is we camp in the moment rather than pursuing the promise. But God's got promise for you. He's got promises for you. He's got the promise of freedom over your life. He's got the promise of a hope for your future. He's got the promise of purpose for your tomorrow. God's got reconciliation for you. He's got restoration for your relationships. He's got life. He's got joy. He's got peace for your life. So what I wanna do today is draw our attention to these words in Deuteronomy, these words that are spoken by God through Moses to the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. They were in a difficult and trying season. It was a long season, a long part of their journey. But the promises of God were just across the Jordan River. They were just out of reach. And God speaks this verse to Moses in verse six. He says, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. Resume your journey. 
And I wanna ask today, could it be that God has got that same message for you and I today? You have stayed at this mountain long enough. Resume your journey. You've stayed at the mountain of hurt long enough. Resume your journey. You've stayed at the mountain of disappointment long enough. You've stayed at the mountain of discouragement long enough, the mountain of self-doubt long enough, the mountain of condemnation long enough. It's time to resume your journey. It's time to break camp and move on. Well, that's gonna become a problem, isn't it? You've stayed at the mountain long enough. You know, our eldest son, Judy, you know that he plays football. Uh, If you've heard me speak before, I'll often tell you about his football stories. Uh, well, when he first started, he'd only done played one season of football and he got the opportunity to trial for the rep team, for the eight-year-old rep team. And so we put him in the trial. We thought, oh, he probably won't get in, but it'll be a good experience for him anyway. So we put him in the trial and it was a really, really, like I feel like it was the hottest day of the year, hot Sunday afternoon. And he was going along to this trial. It was an hour-long trial and he started off and I thought he was doing great. Like I'm just his mum and I'm not biased at all, but I was like, this kid is is good. And then it was about halfway through the trial and he came off the field. And, and I thought, oh, he needs water. He needs to tie his shoelaces. So I start, you know, doing all the things that mums do. And then I went to push him back on and he was like, nah, not going on. I was like, what do you mean? Like, you're doing real good, buddy. Get back on there. He's like, no, I'm not going on. And I said, no, 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 go, <laughs> go back on. And he's like, no, I don't want to. I'm like, buddy, why? He said, I don't want to go back on and I never want to play soccer again. I was like, whoa, dramatic much. Like, takes after his father. (laughs) And you didn't hear that from me. (laughs) The more I tried to push him, the louder he got and the more he started to cry. And I was like, okay, all right, let's not make a scene. So I took him home. And you know what? I don't know what it was. I don't know. I don't know if it was the heat of the day. I don't know whether it was his asthma. I don't know whether it was the kids on the field. I don't know whether it was his own self-doubt. I don't know whether it was pressure to make the team. I don't know whether it was the, the, the coach that was shouting. I don't know what it was. But something caused my boy to get off the field and set up camp on the sideline. And at the end of the day, he sat down and had a conversation with his father. And Steve said to him, I don't know what caused you to get off the field today, but you're going to finish what you started. I'm getting you a retrial. And so we contacted the organizers and we said, can he retrial? They said, sure, he can. And he made the team. And they're currently, right now, he's playing a tournament and uh, they are doing incredible. Can I tell you this morning that we serve a God of the retrial? He is a God who offers second, third, and fourth chances. And and I believe that there are people in this room today and you have, for some reason, you've chosen to get off the field and set up camp on the sideline. But I've got a message for you. It's time to get back in the game. It's time to get moving again toward the promises that God has for you. You see, what God was reminding these Israelites in Deuteronomy is that they were not destined to be mountain people. They were never destined to stay at the mountain. They were destined for the promised land. And I think for you and I, 
we need to be reminded that God has actually set aside a promise for you. And too often we don't get it because we allow the enemy to keep us camped at a mountain. There are greater promises of freedom for your life you are yet to take a hold of. There is a greater promised hope for your circumstances that you have not yet seen. There is a greater promised wholeness that you are yet to experience in God. Don't settle for the camp when God has put aside a whole land of promise for you. I've got three things I'd love to share with you this morning really quick, and you can write them down in your notes that I believe can help us resume the journey. These are not all the things that I think um, we could apply, but these are just three things I think will help you to resume your journey. The first is we need to know that we camp with purpose. Write that down. We camp with purpose. See, what we have to understand about this passage is that the mountain area that they were in was, Horeb was the name of a general mountainous district and in that mountainous district was was a mountain called Mount Sinai. And God led the Israelites to Mount Sinai, to this place where they stayed for about a year. And what we have to get a hold of here, what I wanna communicate to you, is that the mountain had purpose. God led them there for a reason. It was at that mountain that God spent time laying a foundation for this new and special people group he was creating. God wanted a people that was set apart. He was saying to them, you are my people and I want you to be set apart. I want you to be different. I've got something special for you. And so it was in this place that he established who they were gonna be. They sat under his teaching and he established their political, their social and their religious uh, character. He, he, He instilled in them the types of people that he wanted them to be, the kind of thing he was calling them to as a nation. This was where he gave them the law. This was where he spelled it out to them and said, this is the kind of people you are gonna be. This was the birth of a nation at this mountain. And so God knew that in order for Israel to be all he created and destined it it to be, he knew that there was work that had to be done in them. And once the work was done, he gave the command, get up, move. It's time to resume your journey. You know, I kind of get the feeling that our problem could be that we don't allow God to reveal to us the purpose in our camping. And so we sit camped ignorant of all he is wanting to do in us. And I kind of feel like for many of us, we stay sat at the mountain far longer than we need to because we don't really get a picture of what God is trying to build in us, what he's trying to do in us, of the purpose that he has for us. I can remember when I first left uni and got my first job, I didn't really like it. And it came to a time where I was like, okay, I'm ready to leave this job. And I was looking for every out I could possibly see Every, every opportunity I could see to leave, I wanted it. And, and it wasn't until, I was getting more and more miserable as the time went on. It wasn't until a lovely colleague of mine, a Christian colleague, got alongside me and said, hey Bex, have you ever wondered or thought or considered the fact that perhaps God has got a purpose for you being here and that he's not gonna let you move on until you discover it? Wow. You know, I kind of feel like we could sometimes move from mountain to promised land quicker if we simply open our eyes to see what God is trying to build in us. What is he trying to teach you at your mountain? 
What is he kind of trying to do in you? What character does he want to establish in you? Listen, because he has got, he has got, uh, he, he wants to set you apart for a promise that is significant. It's significant over your life. You know, if you're anything like me, sometimes God has to tell you one, two, three, four, even five or six times, or maybe even more, before he stops taking us round and round that same mountain. When we begin to realize what he actually wants to do in us, what could the purpose be in your mountain? What is God trying to do in you? The second thing, the first thing we need to understand, we camp with purpose. The second thing we need to know is that we move together. We move together. This is so important, guys. This is so important. Because this wasn't a message for an individual man. This wasn't a message just given to Moses. This was a message that God gave to Moses for the Israelites. It was for a group of people, not just a group of people, it was for a community of people. Because God knew that if he could get them moving together, then they could fight together. And he knew that if they could fight together in unity, then they could win and have victory together. And he knew that if they could have victory together, then they could see the fullness of God's promise to them together. See, victories are not fought and won on individuals. They are fought on one on armies fighting together. And I kind of get the feeling that the enemy would love nothing more than to see you sat stuck in your camping chair. The enemy would love nothing more than to see you sat isolated at a mountain. And that's why we as a church place so much value on small groups. Because we believe that every single person should be connected into a small group of people that can work the, walk the journey of freedom together. Because we know that it's in a small group environment where we can get time and space and relationship enough to be a little bit more vulnerable than we normally would be. And it's in those environments that we can maybe take the mask away a little bit because we all wear masks, every one of us. And it's in those small group environments where we can just say, um, you know what? Everything's not quite going as good as it looks like it is. Or, you know what? I'm not doing as well as I said I was. It's in those environments that we begin a journey together to find freedom, to find freedom. One of my favorite parts about our Thursday morning is we have our women's service, but afterwards at the end of our women's service, we split into small groups. And so all across this auditorium, there are groups of women meeting and they chat and they pray and they talk about life. And what I love is I stand and watch and I watch it go on because I know the journeys that some of these women are going through. And what I see in my mind's eye is that these women, some of them, their lives are falling apart. But there's a group of women around them and they're doing this. They're picking up the pieces. And we're saying, here, this sucks, but I'm totally here for you. Here, I'm gonna help you. Here, I've, I've been through this too. Here, can, can I walk the journey with you? What can I do? Can I, can I pray for you? Can I practically help you? See, listen, God's plan for our freedom is people. It's people walking the journey together. God did not create us to sit isolated, camped at a mountain. He, he called us as a people to move together toward the promises that He has for us. That is why we have strategically placed these under your bottoms today. 
because we want to make it easy for you to connect into a small group. All you have to do is know your name and a contact detail and tick a box. How good is that? We'll do all the hard work for you. Can I encourage you, if you're not in a small group, you need to find freedom in small groups. Can you fill one of these in for me? Pop it in the, um, at the information area. Give it to someone who looks like they know what they're doing and we will help you. God calls us to journey together, to fight together, to see victory together, to see His promises together. Band, you can join me now. As I come to our thir- third point, because we need to know why we move. Let me tell you why we move. My third point is we move for others. We move for others. In Deuteronomy 9, there's another time, um, a time of rebellion. It's quite common for the Israelites, actually. A time of rebellion, again, by the Israelites, and Moses intercedes on their behalf. He goes and he speaks to God on behalf of them, and God meets him on a mountain, funnily enough, and extends his forgiveness, and he says this, in Deuteronomy 10, verse 11, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Get up, continue your journey ahead of the people, listen to this, so that they may enter and possess the land I swore to give their fathers. So that they may enter. See, Moses knew that The plan for his life was to see the promised land, but not actually possess it. See, there's a a scene in Numbers 20 where God tells Moses, series of events, you could read up on it later, where God says to Moses, you will not enter. And so the the command on Moses' life was to see the promise, but not, not possess it. And he knew that. But God still wanted him to do the journey of moving from mountain to promised land. Why? So that they may enter. So that those coming after him may enter. He wasn't moving for himself. He was moving for those that were to follow after him. The most powerful thing about you making a decision to get up, and continue journeying despite the pain, despite the setbacks, despite the hurt, despite the discouragement, is not because or to see how far you could go, but it's for how far those following after you will go. This is so important that we grab hold of the generational uh, concept that God is trying to communicate to us. See, God told Moses to get up and keep going, not so that he would enter the promise, but so that those following him would enter. Because he knew that camped at this mountain would only produce more mountain people. Because as long as we stay stay sat camped, we're only gonna give birth to more people sat camped at a mountain. And so what is it? What camp do you need to break free from? I was chatting with a, a lady this morning older lady, been years in faith, amazing, incredible woman of God. She said, every single one of us has somewhere we're camped at. Where are you camped at that you need to break free from so that you don't birth others into that same place of imprisonment? What addictions are you camped in that you need to break free from 
so that your children don't step into those same addictions? What mindsets are you camped in that you need to get a revelation of God's Word over your life so that those following you, those around you, those walking with you and behind you don't jump in on the same mindsets that you've been walking by? What offence do you need to find forgiveness for? So that others don't pick up and carry those same offences. Moses didn't even make it into the promised land, but he didn't let that stop him from taking others there too. Because he knew that his greatest legacy, his greatest legacy was that he would see the next generation get there. That he would see the next generation go further than he went. And I believe that our greatest legacy is not actually in the acts and the deeds that we leave behind, but it's in the acts and the deeds of those we leave behind. That's a great word. It's in the acts and the deeds of those we leave behind. So my question for you is this, you may not be prepared to move for you, but will you move for others? Will you move for those following you? Church, would you stand to your feet? I'd love to be able to pray for you today. You know, as I said before, I think every one of us could say, there's an area of my life I'm camped in. And I would love, it would be my honour if I could pray for you today. And I, I just ask everybody to close their eyes and bow your head and perhaps you could position yourself in a, in a posture of receiving, of surrender. Maybe for you that means, you know, lifting your hands and you know where you're camped. You know where you're stuck and not moving forward to possess all that God's got for you. Father, right now, all across this room, I thank You, Lord Jesus, that You're speaking to people. God, I thank You that You're showing them things they didn't see before. God, they're seeing areas in their life where they're sat camped, not actually experiencing the fullness of what You've promised them. And so right now in the Name of Jesus, I pray that You would just bring them a new revelation of Your purpose in their mountain. Father, I pray that they would see what it is that You wanna build in them. And God, I just pray right now that You would bring around them a community of people that they can move with. God, would You help them to get into um, groups of people that they would meet people where they can become a little bit more vulnerable, where they can let people know, hey, I'm not actually doing okay. God, where they can say, hey, I just need some help with this journey. God, can you bring some people around them to, to help them find freedom? God, right now, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to take one step, just one step, one step. Because freedom and healing is not a stagnant process. It's a process of moving forward one step after the other, slowly but surely making our way toward the promise of freedom. Father, right now all across this room, I believe in your healing people right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I wanna do one more thing. You might be in this room and maybe you're like, Bex, I am so stuck, I don't even know God. Maybe you're here and you just, 
you, you haven't got, you're far away from God. You're not living a life with Him. I wanna extend an invitation to you if you don't know Jesus today. The first thing I wanna tell you is that He loves you, that He's got a plan for your life and He wants you to live a life of blessing and abundance on a journey with Him. But we all, at seasons in our life, we find ourselves away from Him, walking our own journey, doing our own thing. We all sin, we all mess up, we all fall short. But God in His grace sent His own Son to take upon Himself everything that we deserved, not so that we could live a life of condemnation and judgment, but so that we could live a life of grace and mercy and fullness and freedom. I'm gonna pray a prayer right now, and all you have to do, if you're saying, I want that, that's me. I need that in my life right now. And pray it in your heart with me. I'll pray it out loud, you pray it in your heart. You say, dear Jesus, thank You for going to the cross for me. Thank You that You died to take the punishment that I deserved. Thank You that because of what You did, I can live free. I choose this day to follow You. I wanna turn my life around. I wanna live for You. In Jesus' Name, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, if you just said yes to Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. It is the best decision that you could make in your entire life. The rest of your life starts now. And we would love to celebrate that with you. We'd also love to come alongside you, put something in your hand to help you. What I ask you to do is, I'm gonna count to three, and I want you to be really brave. I'd love for you to just give me a wave right where you're sitting to say, Bex, would you count me in on that? On three, we say, one, God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Two, He he wants you to live a life of fullness and hope. Three, hands raised. Anybody in this place saying, Bex, would you count me in? Awesome. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. You're saying, Bex, awesome. Down the back. I see your hand again. Another one down there. Fantastic. Anybody else? You're saying, Bex, I'll just give you a couple more moments. Bex, count me in on that prayer. I need Jesus today. Thank You, Lord. Father, we thank You for lives transformed, changed and turned around for You. God, we celebrate You. We celebrate what You're doing in their life. Father, I pray Your purpose over them, Your blessing over them right now in the Name of Jesus. Come on, church, would you give them a shout of praise this morning? How good is God? Love it. Our time has come to an end, but before you run away, I just need to let you know that if you raised your hand, we've got a team of people in blue t-shirts or lanyards that will come alongside you. They'll just pop something in your hand. If you haven't got a Bible, we'd love to give you one that will help you on your journey. If nobody does that, please can you tell the person you're sitting next to, we just would love to help you take your next step. We think what you've done this morning is amazing. And we'd love to pray with you. If you've got any needs, come down the front. We'd love to be able to stand with you and prayer would be our honour. Our guests, we'd love to meet you in our guest lounge. Connect cards, tick that box. Give it to the team. We would love to get you connected into a small group. Have an amazing day, everybody. We love you. We'll see you tonight, tonight's service. Come on out.